Would you turn with me to John chapter 9? I do pray that eyes will be opened. I pray that those who are saved here will rejoice in their salvation even more. And those that, if you're here, are not saved, whether you know it or not, or you're not sure what that even means, that you would believe in the way this man believed. And I pray that all of us would take the question that Jesus asks at the end of the story, and we would take it to our neighbors and our coworkers and our family and friends, and we would pray for them so earnestly. What if all you, what if all you ever knew was darkness? That's the truth for this man. What are colors? They're words only. Faces, people walking, trees, the smile of your mother, all just abstract things and nothing like we know them to be. Your life has always been, how do you describe it? Um, it's all you know, but others would describe it like hell-like. Always, always dependent on people to bring you food or clothing. You've been begging almost all your adult life. In fact, it happened way before you were even an adult. That's your occupation. You can't work. No marriage. No true job. No ordinary life. You're the brunt of jokes, the snigger from children, and the cold and condescending treatment from those righteous scribes or Pharisees who walk by, maybe put some coins in there, but you know they're judging you. You're blind. And you've been from birth. Why has God been judging you? Was it because of some sin that you're not aware of? Or maybe the sin of my parents? Then one Sabbath morning, the world changes for you. The light comes. The unexpected miracle of sight turns you upside down and you're surprised by a joy and a vision that's new like you could never imagine. You can see and yet you know it's something happening to you that's more than physical. Last week we saw in John 8 that Jesus declares himself to be the light of the world. And here in this chapter, we see this light of the world in action, giving light, giving sight to a blind man, both physically and spiritually. And we saw, we see an illustration of John 3 when Jesus and John interacts about this. He says, this is judgment. The light has come into darkness or come into the world, and people love darkness rather than light because their works are evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true and comes to the light, he comes so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Now this story we're going to look at in John 9 has these comparisons 
and contrasts from John chapter 5. We're not, we've been, John 5 was last year, but I want to remind you by reading a few verses from John 5, and I want, there's a contrast. If you were to spend some time today or this week reading John 5 and chapter 9, you'd see these things and you'd go, wow, quite, that's interesting, some things that are similar, things that are different. Here's the story. It says that Jesus is coming to Jerusalem by a sheep gate, a pool. Verse 3, in these, in these lay a multitude of invalids. They were blind, lame, paralyzed. And one man who had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he'd already been there a long time. And he said, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water stirred, and while I'm going, another one steps before me. Jesus said this, get up, take your bed, and walk. At once, the man was healed. He took his bed, and he walked. Now, the day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath, and it's not lawful for you to take up your bed. And he answered him, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up. Your, up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now, the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, and there was a crowd in the place. And afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well. Sin no more, and nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing thing, these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father is working until now, and I am working. We're going to look at John 9, and I'm going to ask you to turn there because it will be helpful for you to follow along. But in both of these stories, you'll see there's a pool and both receive healing by Jesus' initiative. They don't go to Jesus. Jesus comes to them. They don't request it. Jesus comes and takes the initiative. Both are healed on the Sabbath. Both receive accusations from these people called the Pharisees. Both don't know where Jesus is. But you'll see there's some real differences in how they respond. There's no evidence in that chapter 5 story of the invalid that he really had faith in Jesus. Well, we see something quite different in this chapter. It, one of the things that I did this week is I took John chapter 9, 41 verses, and with a highlighter or a pen, actually it was on my screen here, so I was marking it all up, and everywhere there was words of sight or blind or light or opened eyes or seeing I marked, and my page was covered with red ink as I underlined each instance. This passage is riddled with that theme. You see, to many, seeing is believing. Jesus shows that believing is seeing and seeing through spiritual eyes that we must see. Now, we come to this story. Some have labeled this the sixth sign there were a lot of signs that Jesus gave, signs so that we would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing we may have life in his name. There are the stories of turning 
Water into wine, John 2. The cleansing of the temple, some call that a sign, John 2. The healing of a nobleman's son in John 4. The healing of the lame that I just read in John 5. The feeding of the 5,000 in John 6. The walking of water, John 6. The healing of a blind man is where we come to now. So another name for this, this story could be another Sabbath healing case. The healing of the blind man. I love this story. It's so rich. I love how John is a storyteller in how he tells it. It is beautiful. And I want to divide it. It's 41 verses. And it's really the whole story of what happens, the healing and the aftermath of this interrogation that's going on behind the religious leaders as they interact with something that takes place with the healing. And so this chapter could be divided into three sections. They're uneven sections. Verses 1 through 7, you have blindness and the light of the world. And then the middle section, which takes up the most of the passage, is from 8 to 34, where you get four responses to this miracle, this work of God of the healing of a blind man. And then lastly, you find and see true sight and the light of the world in the last verses, verses 35 through 41. Let's, let's look at each in kind. Number one, blindness in the light of the world. I'm going to read this passage. I want to read it section by section and kind of interact with it with you and then draw some conclusions. Let's see, blindness in the light of the world. As he, that's Jesus, passed by, verse 1, he saw a blind man from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? That's how this starts. They're walking by. Is something going to even happen? And the disciples stop Jesus and says, see that guy over there? He's begging. We'll find out he was a beggar. Who sinned, him and his parents? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me. While it is day, night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. How can innocent people suffer like this there must be sin involved specifically in which he's blind because parents or him. I think that's going to be next Sunday's sermon because I hear enough people go, how could God, a loving God, allow this in my life? Well, God did. Notice we find that Jesus does not say God had nothing to do with his blindness. The disciples knew he had everything to do with his blindness, and Jesus did, but he also know, knew that God had a special purpose, and we see it in this specific story in a unique way. He says, as long as I'm light, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And having said this, Jesus spit. How about that? The Son of God, the Savior of the world, the one who created with the word of his power, spits on the ground. And he made mud. 
the very fingers that came down to the ground and started writing, when he looked up and he said, he who has no sin, let him cast the first stone. Those fingers take mud and make mud from the ground from his spit. And he takes it and he anointed the man's eyes with mud. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and he washed. And you see what it says? He came back seeing. The light of the world, John 8, 12, we saw this last week. I am the light of the world. Whoever believes in me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of light comes into the next chapter, we find him coming to a blind from birth and he takes the initiative. And in response to his disciples' questions, well-intended questions that they didn't understand a situation, Jesus does the works of God and he makes this man come back Seeing. By the way, as you read through this chapter, one thing to note is there are questions, 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 questions. This is a questioning chapter. The disciples ask Jesus a question here. Every section, there's a lot of question marks taking place. Let's move to the next. So we got number one, we have the light of the world comes in and there's blindness. And the blindness is this man from birth. And Jesus comes and he changes everything everything. So there's going to be a problem now. We know this. There's, this is the Sabbath, and we're going to find that real quick, but we find four responses to the light of the world who has just healed this blind man. Instead of a campaign of champion this cause, no one ever heals the blind. This must be of God. There's a problem, and they're seeking to persecute, to kill, and to arrest Jesus. So verses 8 through 34, we find four responses. That's the majority of the story, is the responses of Jesus' sign of healing. You see, those who see signs, truly the signs that Jesus is performing, they see them as signs that this is the Son of God. They believe. But over and over again, there are so many that see the signs and they're still very blind. Here's response number one. It's the neighbors. The neighbors. Verse eight. The neighbors and those who had seen him, seen the blind man before as a beggar, I mean, they, they were used to. This is, this is our beggar. He's been around for a long time. In fact, I think he's always been begging. He has always been blind. Is this not the man who used to sit and beg, they say? Some said, it is he. Others said, no, it just looks like him, but he's like him. And, and they must have been saying that next to the blind man, the man that was healed, because he says, no, I'm the man. You, you got it right. I'm the man. It was me begging. It was me begging. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? Now, one of the things just to notice, they say this, and we're going to see this pattern. 
Everybody's concerned about the how in this chapter. At least it seems like they're all concerned. How did Jesus do it? How did he do it? What did he do? He must have done something. How did he do it? And it's not until not one of them is really focused on who did it. Who is he? He's, he, he did what? Maybe he's somebody special. Then how were your eyes open, he says. And he answered, the man called Jesus. That's who it is. The man called Jesus made mud. He anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and I washed and I received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. So we got response number one, and you could say they're questioning Is this guy real? Is this change really the one that we've always seen completely blind? Just a side note, this is not the main purpose of it, but as I think about it, when God impacts, truly changes and impacts a person, people around us should say, is that the person I used to know? I wonder if that's happened in your life where God got a hold of you and they said, I think that is our neighbor but he used to not be like that, but he is not. What's going on? That must be somebody else, right? Because the person I knew was in this sorry condition, and now he's kind. Now he has a whole different perspective on life. Now he's, she, she's tenderhearted. She's, she's caring for people. There, there's something different about him or her. Well, they see this here, know that, but, but they're questioning and they're doubting and they're, they're focused on this method, what happened here, and they're not really going, can I, can I meet this person? Because I, I want to believe because only God could do this. Only God could do this. So their response to this blind man's testimony is not to find Jesus and to come and worship him and try to understand more of who Jesus is. There is like, okay, we need to go to the Pharisees. The Pharisees need to answer this matter. So that leads us to the second response, and we find it in verse 13. At this point, we find them going to the Pharisees. They brought to Jesus, verse 13. They brought, I mean, sorry, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had, been for, had formerly been blind. Now, it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opening he opened his eyes. So the Pharisees, now you know Sabbath is Saturday. It was one of the Ten Commandments. You shall keep the Sabbath holy. You shall not do any work on the Sabbath. So, and so by Jesus' time, many of the religious leaders had so put regulations where they had dozens and dozens of regulations. You shall not do this. You can't go this many steps on the Sabbath. You can't do this kind of work. And they defined what work is so much so they said that you cannot need bread on the Sabbath. That's a legitimate thing. And they interpret some things here immediately saying, Jesus must be a Sabbath breaker. We got him. So the Pharisees asked him, how he had received his sight. Let's find out how. And he said to him, he put mud on my eyes and I washed 
and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. And their minds are going, he made mud. That's the same as making bread. He used his hands. He went in the mud. He made mud, put it on her eye. We have him now. Sabbath lawbreaker, sinner, we have him. This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. Now there's a division. It says, but others. And I take that to mean other Pharisees, maybe Nicodemus from John 3. How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. Now, Jesus, in their minds, he violates the law. Now, there's a right logic that they use, at least to some degree. A godly man or woman, a man from God, will care about God's law. If a man says he was from God and did miracles, but was known to be an immoral man, it would really discredit him as being from God. So there is some kind of logic here that's right here, but the problem is they're taking their man-made interpretations of God's law and saying, see, he's a lawbreaker, and they're so fixed on not seeing that God is everywhere in the story because their hearts are just filled with envy and jealousy and the preserving of their own way, and there's a division here. And so they said to the blind man... Notice there's just all these questions. What do you say about him since he opened your eyes? And he said he is a prophet. It reminds me of the Samaritan woman in John 4 when Jesus says to the woman, I know that your husband is in that house. In fact, you've had many husbands and the one you're living with isn't your husband. And she said, you are a prophet He knew that Jesus, the man named Jesus, that he mentioned to the neighbors, he is a prophet from God. This person is special. And everybody is focused on how did he do it so that we can get him. This man is saying, I'm focused on who did it. Because this who is really special. So now let's move to the third response. And so you have the neighbors, and the neighbors get all... They take it to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees are questioning, and then they go, this can't really be true that this man was really healed, so let's check, check, let's verify. So in verse 18, they go to the parents of the blind man. Verse 18, the Jews did not believe, it says the Jews, I think it's probably the Jews, the Pharisees are kind of linked together here. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight, meaning this is just a scam or this really didn't really happen, until they called the parents. And the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. 
And then we get a parenthesis in verse 22. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed, it must have made him public enough, that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, the Messiah, the promised one, he was to be put out of the synagogue. He was to be ostracized religiously in that culture. So we come to the parents. They're doubting. They don't believe this is a real miracle. They, they, they want to get Jesus. Their eyes are close to this. They go to the parents. They have their mind made up. And the parents go, no, this, he has been healed. This, this really happened. That's one thing we do know. This is our son. And he's been blind since we had him from birth. They don't see Jesus rightly, though. And we find the parents responding in fear. Fear of losing their standing, their position of religious life. Instead of going, I, might lo- I don't care. I want the real thing. My son can see. There's no other explanation from God. But my son sees now, so I want to know the one who truly helped my son see. Instead, I don't want to get out of the synagogue. He can, he can answer for himself. I got to save, I got to protect my standing. I'm fearful. You see, they just don't want to see. They just do not see Jesus like they need to see Jesus. Now that brings us to the fourth and final and most beautiful responses we get. It's the longest section in verse four, or the fourth response, and it's the, now the, the formerly blind man, the man that was blind from birth who now sees. Verse 24, it says here, so for the second time, So it's the second time coming to him, because if you remember, the Pharisees came to him earlier. They called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. That sounds like a really good religious statement to them. We know that this man is a sinner. Don't give glory to this this prophet that you say is a prophet, this man called Jesus that you are esteeming so high, who we are saying broke the Sabbath. they're, they're They're just so cut off from Jesus. This is man as a sinner. Give God glory. And he answered. Now, here in this section, the man answers, and it's almost like it's a trial because they're coming to question and interrogate, even though that's not an initial question. It's a statement that's expecting a response. If I, just, I love courtroom novels, and though I haven't really been in a lot of trials, and I've never been in it at really any major trials. One of, the th- one of the cardinal doctrines of an attorney is never ask a witness a question you don't know the answer to, because you might get an answer that is going to mess up your case. They ask him a lot of questions or insinuate or want him, and he just blows them out of the water. Give glory to God. He's a sinner. He answered, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. I think he knows, but he's saying, I don't know his whole life, but one thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. Now, you could drop the mic right there, right? And he keeps going on. Next question. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? Now, this next answer tells me this is probably not an older adult, but maybe one of my teenage sons. He answered them, I have already told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? 
See the sarcasm, the irony, the... So he, he says, how did he do it? And he says to them, I have already told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they're sitting there going, how dare he? I, talk to us this way? He is a beggar. He is of the lowest of lowest class. He's clearly a sinner, and he talks to this way. We don't want to be his disciple. And they reviled him, saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, absolutely true. But as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. We know where Moses came from, from God. God's had Moses come to his people, but where this man comes from, we don't know where he comes from. Here's the next answer. The man answers, why? This is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes? We know that God doesn't listen to sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Wow. This is an amazing thing. You ask where, you don't know where he's coming from? How in the world? And he's not saying God only listens to perfect people. So don't start praying unless you're a perfect people. That's not perfect perfect person. That's not what Jesus, that's not what this man means. He means God doesn't listen. He listens to sinners who come repentant and broken before him, and he regularly hears the prayers of those who are right with God through God's way. And he's saying, how, you're, you're saying he's this awful person. You have no idea where he's coming from. There's no way a person could come and have the power like he has unless he's truly of God, God heard him and opened eyes. And this miracle is unrecorded in all of biblical history. No one has ever seen a man born blind and healed like this. Their answer, you were born in utter sin and would you teach us? And instantly they cast him out and say, you're not allowed in the synagogues, get out of here. Amazing testimony. Here's a man who doesn't understand a lot, but he knows that though he was blind, now he sees. He knows there's a man named Jesus. He knows that he must be of God and he's a prophet. And he knows this man spoke to him and said, go do this after putting anointing his eyes with mud. And he went and now he sees and he knows to give glory to God is to see and to search and for, to know truly who this person is. Do you see both the unbelief and the belief? Do you see the darkness and the growing light here? And so now we come to the end of the story and, in chat, and I, it's, it's the third, third section and, and I call it if, if the first section is blindness in the light of the world, and the section is the four responses to the light of the world, 
we see true sight in the light of the world in verse 35 and following. So Jesus, this is the first time that we have with Jesus and the blind, healed blind man again. It's, it's the first question that Jesus asks. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. He was persecuted. Jesus healed me. Get out of here. You're gone. I'm ostracizing you. You're a martyr. You're, you're going. And they persecuted him. Jesus found him, having heard that he had cast, been cast out, and having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? What a great question. Can I commend this question to you to ask yourself? I want, can I ask you this question? And can I ask you to care about asking this question to your children and to your neighbors and your family? Think about what this means. Jesus asked this question, do you believe in the Son of Man? It's a strange term. Why didn't he say son of God? Son of man was used elsewhere in John early on when he talked to Nathaniel and said, you'll see the son of man. This is a reference to Daniel 7 and that God was going to come and some special person was going to come called the one like the son of man and he would have an everlasting reign and dominion and power and all people would serve him and Jesus is that son of man come on the scene as Jesus and he's Jesus of Nazareth and he says do you believe in the son of man now he answers him and he said sir who is he all the other people are asking what did he do or how did he do it he's asking who is he that I may believe in him? His faith is growing as his sight came upon him. He's a man named Jesus. He's a prophet. He's, I was blind, but now I see. This must be from God. And now he says, would you help me? Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said in verse 37, you have seen him and it is he who is speaking to you. There should, we should go, you see him because he gave you sight to see him. You see him literally where before you could never see anything and now you see him and you see him in a spiritual way in the way the Pharisees don't see him, the way the parents don't see him, the way the neighbors don't see him. You see him in a new way. You personally came in contact with this person and he touched you and now you see. And his response is he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. The, Jesus said, for judgment, I came into this world that those who do not see may see just like this man. And those who see like the Pharisees and the parents and the neighbors, and like all of us, unless God touches us, may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things, and they got really offended, and they said, are we also blind? Are we blind also? And Jesus said to him, if you were blind, you'd have no guilt. <laughs> if you really were blind, that would have been better. Oh, but you think you can see and you say, we see your guilt remains. You're in your hardness of heart, in your darkness, in your pride. You don't get it. 
Now, I conclude with an application of questions. This chapter has a lot of questions. What condition are we all born into? Well, we're born into the spiritually blind condition. Is blind and worse than the man that was born physically blind. As John Newton once wrote in a letter, he said, My nature, by nature I was too blind to know him, too proud to trust in him, too obstinate to serve him, too based mind to love him. The enmity I was filled with against God's government, his righteousness and grace was too strong to be subdued by any power but his own. And he did it. Do you know that you were born blind, friend? That, that's the truth of every one of us. We're born blind. We're born, we do not see Jesus like we need to. We don't see our sin like we need to see it. We don't, we don't look for the right solution and we run for something false. And do you know that if your parents or grandparents, your children are born blind and God puts you in their lives to be earnest prayer warriors for them, servants to help them, See Jesus Christ. Do you know that those at your work are blind? Are born blind unless God has given them sight through Jesus? Do you know that your neighbors, co-workers, and fellow students are blind? Does that, it should fill our minds and our hearts not to judge them or look down at them, but to be have compassion and burden and pity and prayer for them. The God of this world has blinded the eyes of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Jesus Christ, 2 Corinthians 4. 4. We sang this last week. I, was once, I once was lost in darkest night, yet thought I knew the way. That sin that promised joy in life had led me to the grave. I had no hope that you would own a rebel to your will. This blind man had no hope in his life. He gave up thinking he would ever see. And his life was transformed by God's initiation through Jesus Christ. He came in and opened his eyes. That's what's needed. Who gives sight, friends? That's the second question. Who gives sight? Jesus. God gives sight. He gives us both physical sight and spiritual sight. I can see today, even though I need glasses, I can see because God gave that to me, but he gave me spiritual sight. I am saved, but only by God's grace and mercy. Because as a child, through loving parents and their prayers, but by the Holy Spirit, he woke my heart and my life to see Jesus in a new way. And he's been clearing that vision little by little through this life. And he has done that for most of you but maybe not all of you. It is God who gives spiritual sight. He opens the eyes of the blind, Psalm 146 says. Jesus takes initiative. Jesus is the light of the world that whoever believes in him will no longer walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Do you really know that God is the giver of your sight? He must give sovereign grace. You know that he must do that for your teens and for your children and for your adult children and for your neighbors. Do you pray that way? Do you think that way? Do you hope that way? Do you pray that that God would give that work in our lives? And I just, this morning, just long for you to know and see with the sight that Jesus gives. It was Paul that was blinded on the road to Damascus as a picture of that, hey, you'd been blind, Paul. And then God heals him, and then 
he raises him up and he says, now I want you to stand and I've appeared to you for this purpose. This is Acts 26. I've appointed you, Paul, as a servant and a witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I'm sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. God saves us and opens our eyes for a purpose so that as we see Jesus as he really is and we worship in him, we worship him and as we're going to be studying in 1 John on Wednesday nights, that true believing is then abiding in him and having a true life in him and growing and practicing what he has given to us. It has a a true practical component that flows out of us. We are on a mission to help others have their eyes open, knowing that it is Jesus that does it. We're saying, I had no hope that he would own a rebel to your will. And if you had loved me, If you had not loved me first, God, I would keep refusing you. I would refuse you still. But as I ran my hellbound race, indifferent to the cost, you looked upon my helpless state and led me to the cross. What is the spiritual sight that you need today? What is the spiritual sight that I need? It is the spiritual sight that Jesus gave to this blind man. And that spiritual sight was way more profound than a man one morning or afternoon having mud put in his eyes and he went and washed in a pool and he could see for the first time. It was a sight that was clearly indicated when he said, Lord, I believe. Miracle. Do you believe? Faith is the sight that we all need, and that faith is a gift from God. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. He said in so many different ways that there's darkness that you have, but I give light to those who believe on my name. Whoever believes in me has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son will not see life. Do you have this spiritual sight? Do you believe? I just I point you to Jesus. I point you this morning to the man that healed this man born blind, that he can this morning heal your sight. He can help you see Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God. He is the healer of sight. He is the one that promises things. And we know that we see when we hear his promises and we go, I believe. I didn't believe earlier, but I believe now. It's a miracle. He really is. There's no one else to look to. He is the light of the world. He is the true bread of life. He is the true drink that I am thirsty for. He is the one that gives me life. Why would I look anywhere else anymore? Why didn't I see this before? He did something to me now. He gave me sight. Let me end with these promises. Jesus said, whoever believes in me, whoever believes in me, out of, as the scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of water. I say to you, whoever believes in me has eternal life. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not hunger. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. Whoever hears my word and believes 
Him who sent me has eternal life. Oh, that God would grant us the, the sight to see, you decide to see this morning. And if you see this, the instrument, the great burden of helping others see this light as they see, who is this person who was born blind? But he sees now. Can I find the same person who healed him? Let's pray. Oh, Father, please help us to see. God, we can, we can be professing Christians for 80 years, 70 years, and be blind. We can get baptized and take communion and go to church and sing songs and give tithes and go through all these motions and it just be a cultural thing and we don't really believe, we don't really love, we don't really trust. And it's just, God, I pray that you would free people here. God, I, I have to believe there are some that think they're, they see, but they haven't seen yet, and you would open their eyes right now. And they would say, Lord, I believe and worship. Their life would start to show worship. And that would be the sign that they believe. God, if there are some here that they know they don't believe or they haven't believed yet, I pray that they would today. They would believe in Christ. Oh God, I pray that you would help all of us to see and savor Jesus because you give us this sight. In Jesus' name, amen.